What am I, chopped liver? The band goes, yeah, after your name. Crickets before mine. It was for both of us. That's true. Well, like I said, I think he likes the the name. He, he spiced up your name a little. Vitaly. Hey. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to start doing accents here and get myself canceled. Uh, all right. So surprise, surprise. There's no, there is no new Speaker of the House. I guess uh, last night the Republicans, they heard from uh, nine or eight candidates now, depending on who you listen to. Yeah. And they're going to do a secret vote today. And uh, I don't know. You know, Renee, at this point, I think the easiest thing would just be renominate Kevin McCarthy because, uh, you know, like last last week, like Jim Jordan had to flip 20 people. Kevin McCarthy lost his speakership by one vote. So theoretically, he only has to flip one person. I know it would be easier for Kevin McCarthy to get this. And maybe that's the grand plan. And and I I mean, you know, if, if you're Kevin McCarthy and you win the speakership back, uh, you can make Matt Matt Gates's life hell, uh, you, you know, for, for the rest of his term or, or or whenever, as long as he's still in Congress. You know what this feels like? Remember when we were waiting to see if there was a Mega Millions winner every morning? <laughs> right. This, oh no, no winner, no winning ticket again. Uh, no Speaker of the House. That, oh, okay. That's how they should choose the next Speaker with a uh, with a uh, a lottery or something. Yeah, seriously. Jeez, uh, oh, Pete, just pull new, a name. The new Speaker bought his ticket from a liquor store in Jeez. Calabasas. It's the same odds. Yeah, so we'll see as the uh as the capital turns. Jeez. Uh Detroit Police James Craig yesterday held a press conference to answer uh as many questions as he could about the stabbing death of Detroit Synagogue uh board president Samantha Wall. Um and uh I, I you could kind I kind of felt like Chief White was almost apologetic for a lot of the questions he couldn't answer, but you know how you know a journalist is onto something is if they ask a question and the person that they're asking says that they can't answer that at this time. Right. Because if if it had nothing to do with anything, they would say it doesn't have anything to do with anything. But, um, you know, there are a couple of times James White, you can he seemed visibly frustrated that he couldn't give answers. But um, there are certain things he said that. um you know, only the person who did this would know. Um, he laid out the timeline of events. He said the wall was last seen leaving a wedding around 1230 early Saturday morning, Friday night. And her body was discovered outside her home around 630. He said at this time, there's no evidence of hate crime and no one in the community is at an increased risk. Um, it sounds like he didn't go as far as to say they've got a suspect. He's He kind of casually mentioned a suspect in the throughout the press conference it sounds like at the very least they have multiple they they have a person or persons of interest yeah i said it's too early to identify a single suspect and they're being very very careful with what they reveal to the public yeah but it sounds like they're close yep um no sign of force entry inside her home uh no form of defensive wounds so it sounds like she didn't see it coming um, they said it appears she was stabbed inside her home and she stumbled outside before collapsing. Um, some of the questions that he couldn't answer because he said there are p- key pieces of evidence. Uh, he wouldn't say if they had a suspect, like I said, but but sounds like they're close. Um, he was asked if Wool was seen leaving the wedding with anyone. He said he couldn't answer that. He couldn't say where the wedding was or how many times she was stabbed. Um, that that. When he was asked how many times she was stabbed, he really kind of, um, 
he, you could tell he was being very careful because he said that that is something that only the perpetrator would know. And and if he put it out in the public, it'd be harder to to nail that person down, so to speak. Sure. Um, Detroit police are working together or piecing together uh, her route home from the wedding uh, to home to see if they can find any video uh, evidence of like a, a, a vehicle following her. Well, with everybody having those ring doorbell cams. Yeah, and that's know. exactly what he was asking for. Yeah. And uh, look, I walked away from the presser with some theories. It'd be, uh, it would be um, irresponsible to say what I think those theories are, especially because I was one of those people at the beginning. I think everyone thought that this was a hate crime. Self-included. And, yeah, and, you know, James White came out early and said there's no no evidence yet that this was a hate crime. And, and you know, obviously, if this was before October 7th, he might not have uh, been so quick to relay that information out to the to the media. But obviously, with what's going on overseas, what's right. going on with the increased tensions back here at home, I think that was the responsible thing to do. Right. And 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 and, and listening to what he said in his press conference, uh, it sounds legitimate that, yeah, it, it probably was not a hate crime, but uh he didn't rule it out completely. Well, there's it's an ongoing investigation. Right. So we wait and see. Let them do their job, and we'll wait and see. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I feel like he was very apologetic about the, the, the questions he couldn't answer. But even the journalists there understood. But sure. they still have to ask the questions. Of course. Um, Israel is increasing airstrikes in Gaza. They're, they've dropped more warnings to people in northern Gaza. Uh, two hostages were released a uh, couple of elderly Israeli women. The New York Times is reporting that the Biden administration is actually advising Israel to delay their ground invasion. We were talking about how it seems like there's been this impending ground invasion for weeks and it hasn't happened yet. Because um, they want to allow more time for uh, hostage negotiations to happen. Uh, I, my guess is that as soon as they start their, their ground invasion, you know, hostage negotiations are probably All bets over. bets are off, yeah. And... You know, everyone's kind of everyone's kind of wondering what Hamas's uh, motives are releasing these victims, uh, releasing these 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 people who have been kidnapped. I think it's for this exact reason. It's it's leverage to 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 stave off a ground invasion. And I think once they feel like a ground invasion is imminent, they're going to release more people to buy more time saying, see, see, look, we're, we're releasing people. Don't don't bring tanks into Gaza mm-hmm. um, over the weekend's. Uh, concerns of this conflict uh, expanding were heightened. Israel bombed targets in the West Bank and Syria. China has also deployed aircraft carriers to the eastern Mediterranean over fears of their own of the conflict spreading. And, and enter China. Yeah. And Ugh. so China, China or Russia getting involved. Um, it's not a good sign. So. That's the latest on Israel. And, uh, you know, Sean Fain does love to keep us on his toe, on our toes, doesn't he? And that he's doing. Uh, yesterday, he said um, he called for 6,800 employees at Stellanus Sterling Heights Assembly. I Shap. believe it's over on Van Dyke, right? Yeah, that's right. That one's in my neighborhood. Oh, really? Yeah. And and you know what? I, I, I was listening to the mayor of Sterling Heights talking about the possible ripple effects of this on Sterling Heights. So hopefully this thing comes to a conclusion very There's soon. There's a lot of small businesses over there, a lot of restaurants yeah. and bars that, you know, I know that that, that I frequent, um, <laughs> that, you know, I, I worry that it's known that, that people go when they get off of work. 
Yeah. That, that that is the place that the workers hang out at. And it's a very afterwards. happening area still. It is. I mean, not a lot of vacancies as of right now in, in those shopping places over right. there. And so, you know, that was my first thought when that happened, that, man, I know that that's how those places flourish right. is because of that plant. I mean, because I remember, remember when the big three was on the verge of collapse, I remember every news story was about how the big three, uh, you know, their troubles are, 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 are matriculating over to those business over yeah. there. And that's kind of what I have in mind. That's kind of what I'm thinking with, with these strikes. Yep. Um, that's where they make the Ram 1500. It's the company's largest, most profitable plant. Um, the UAW, uh, I'm sorry, Stellantis says that they're shocked and outraged about this. They submitted contract offers on Thursday. They never heard back. Um, so this obviously took them by surprise. UAW says that Stellantis has fallen behind Ford and GM in talks. Um, Fane spoke outside the plant saying the union was just trying to send a message, but that a deal could get done this week, but the company needs to get serious and down to business. I don't know if that was like a a, a, a glimmer of hope or if it's just Sean Fane saying, hey, we're ready to go, but these people don't want to go. I, I, you know, I can't read that Are guy. They, is he saying they were dragging their feet on this? I, I guess so. Um, but, yeah, do you take a glimmer of hope in him saying that uh, a deal could get done this week? Or or is it just kind of uh, more him, uh, uh, more of him just uh, negotiating in the public square? Um, my other question, too, UAW is striking Ford's biggest plant down in Kentucky. Now they're striking Stellantis's biggest plant here in Michigan. Is GM next? Uh, if they could be, I mean, it's weird because on Friday, on Friday, it seemed like, like all GM was close to a deal. I almost thought that the four o'clock start time meant that they were going to, um, come up with a deal. But my question is, okay, you've, you, you've stricken their two biggest plants. Where do you go from here? I don't know. He said he still, they still have, um, cards to play, but you know, You've already dealt out two aces. So, you know, um, I I, I felt like that. I I feel like striking their biggest, most profitable plants was probably um, part of the end game. So maybe that's a sign. The engine assembly plants? Yeah. I I don't don't know. know. Yeah. I I mean, everything else is going to seem small in comparison to this. So um, we will continue to watch because that's what we do. And, uh, I mean, like I said, it's uh, the news is the best soap opera on TV right now. <laughs> it's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. Well, Renee, Operation Ghost Rider rides again. And if I were to say, you know, if you didn't know what it was about, if I were to say uh, Operation Ghost Rider is coming to Michigan, what what would you think that would entail? I had no idea because when you said it earlier, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it sounds badass. It does sound badass. But what it is, is um, it is uh, law enforcement in Macomb and Oakland County. Um, they're stepping up patrols this week to crack down on distracted driving. I think this is the first time they're doing this since uh, the the uh, distracted, the hands-free driving rule went into effect back in June 30th making it illegal for anyone to hold a cell phone while driving. Um, So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be driving around unmarked cars, looking for people texting and driving, and then radioing other marked cars to give tickets. And so yesterday uh, they were focused on M59, uh, which spans both Macomb and Oakland County. Mm -hmm. Today they're patrolling 16-mile road and Big Beaver, depending on if you're in Macomb or Oakland County. Right. 
And then tomorrow they'll be focusing on I-75. And, and I was thinking about this. I said, you know, that's, that's kind of a weird strategy, telling people we we're going to be giving tickets. But if your aim is just to increase safety in these areas and, and not necessarily to write tickets, I think it's actually a good idea because people are on notice now. Yeah, they can't say I didn't warn you. Right. Right. And they need to do it because just on my way here this morning on 94, I saw someone almost kiss the wall and I did the what do you do and look as I passed them. And sure enough, their face was buried in their phone. You know what? I do that, too. If, if, if I see someone driving like an idiot or I see somebody driving really slow, I always got to see what the person looks oh, yeah. like. You have to judge them, pass yeah. them and judge them instantly. Yeah. And, and then you always say something <laughs> like, learn how to drive, Grandpa, or learn how to drive, Junior. The or, worst is when I want to check you out and you have tinted windows and I can't see what I'm working uh, with. That's when I just that's just when I call the cops. That's you really? It. Strike one, two, and three there, buddy. Come on, and Mike. I and I don't get to stare you down. I know. I can't give you the stare down, the yeah. judging stare down. That's the worst. Especially because my, my, my horn is broken. It is? It is. And you think you think that. How do you talk to them? That's a whole like conversation well, to be had it's with an that ish, horn. Be, you know, it's like it's like having a broken foot. You, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know how often you use it until it's broken. <laughs> right. I mean, because. I, I was thinking, okay, fine, my horn's broken. I'm not going to take that in. Like, I'm not going to spend money yeah. on that. And then, you know, there's been so many instances since that I've tried to use the horn and I couldn't. And and you still try to use it, even though you know it's broken. Well, the scary part is when you actually have to use it for, like, safety purposes. Yeah. like some of, And you can't do it. You need to get that fixed. Or it's just like an air horn. That might cause that might cause more uh, more accidents. That's right. I might get pulled over by Operation Ghost Rider for that. <sighs> So there you go. Look, you know, I say I, I applaud law enforcement when they give you a heads up because that that shows me they're actually interested in safety and yep. not just writing tickets. I agree. All right. So uh, Michigan State has had a, a, a hell of a few months, hell of a few years, actually, going back to the Larry Nasser scandal, uh, the Mel Tucker scandal, um, the snafu. To put it lightly, yep. with the uh, video scoreboard this weekend at the football stadium. Now there's infighting between the board of trustees. And this has uh, gotten the uh, attention of one of their most prominent uh, alumni. Yeah, Governor Gretchen Whitmer ripped into Michigan State University on Monday, accusing the school of no clear unified leadership amid rancor on the uh, governing board and other unflattering incidents. Whitmer's statement came after two trustees over the weekend said that they would support the ouster board uh, of uh, board chair Rima Vassar. Separately, MSU apologized after an image of Adolf Hitler was displayed on the scoreboard before the Michigan MSU football game Saturday night. Officials said that that was part of a quiz by an outside contractor that provides pregame content. MSU is also dealing with the fallout uh, from the firing of football coach Mel Tucker, which some critics say that the school should have acted on months ago. Mm-hmm. And the latest turmoil involves MSU's governing board. Trustee Brianna Scott accused Vassar of bullying other trustees in her role as chair in unilaterally t- uh, trying to negotiate a settlement with a dean who was forced out in 2022. Now, Scott said Vassar has... I not- forgot about that one. Yeah, Vassar has not agreed to have her phone examined to determine if a trustee leaked the name 
of Tucker's accuser to former trustees. Whitmer, a Democrat and MSU graduate, said in a statement, this university has been rocked by scandal after scandal with no clear unified leadership or direction and tragically no accountability either. Right now, there are too many questions and not enough answers. This university owes its students, alumni, and our entire state to get to the bottom of this and take appropriate action. Yeah, and I know how how she feels. I mean, I uh, I did not have it together enough to go to Michigan State after high school, but I grew up in a Michigan State home. Both my parents went, my sister went, and uh, yeah, I, I I mean, you know, I grew up loving the university, uh, which was galvanized by how annoying Michigan fans were all throughout my childhood. But you know, you see this university that uh, you know you 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 grew up uh, loving and holding in high regard, and it's just been an absolute dumpster fire out there. Oh, it's humiliating. And the thing is, you know, Governor Whitmer uh, is not going to make a statement like that just you know just ju- just to rag on the university. I mean, no. she's uh, not wrong. I know, and it, it's 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 weird, Renee, because you know. The scoreboard thing kind of makes the Michigan sign-stealing controversy seem uh, almost minor. Small potatoes. (laughs) Because you're like, well, well, at least their controversy has to do with trying to win more games. Right. You know. Right. Um, Oh, gosh. How humiliating. And uh, so... There's there's more updates on that. Um, the University of Michigan, they suspended. Uh, he's a scouter, an analyst. His name is Connor Stallions over the weekend in connection to the site stealing allegations. Um, an investigation shows that he has purchased tickets to 30 Big Ten games wow. at 11 different schools over the past three years. Now, uh, stealing signs like we were talking about, it's not illegal if you steal them during the game or you figure it out via right. game tape. But you can't travel to other schools in advance uh, to to scout signs before an actual game. That's you can't make a career of it like this guy seemed to have done. I know, but you know, I kind of feel like this guy is just the fall guy. I mean, you can't tell me that he was the only person on the coaching staff involved in this. Oh, right. I mean, he had some direction to do that. And also, you can't tell me that Michigan's the only school that does this. I mean, they're, it's like the New England Patriots. They they're just the ones who got caught. Right. Exactly. So that's the latest on that. But, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I, I almost forgot about this thing over Well, there's the so many bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. So uh, there you go. We're, we try to be balanced. We'll, we'll update you on the scandals on both schools. <laughs> but, but like I said, with Michigan, and like I said, I, I, I grew up hating Michigan uh, because, uh, you know, th- th- their fans are so annoying. Uh, but, however, it, it, it's almost like it, it's almost like a scandal where you're just trying to cheat to win more games almost feels quaint at this point, doesn't I know, it? I know. I know. We have such salacious schools right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> salacious schools. I think that was on Cinemax one time when I was. <laughs> anyway, um, rest in peace to Bobby, by the way. World's oh, oldest dog. I know. Passed away Monday at the age of 31. 31. That's impressive. What is that, 200 and something in dog years? I, yeah, I think uh, the headline was like two, 270 something. Um, Get that sweet boy on a Smucker's jar. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'd buy I'd buy a Bobie Memorial Smucker's jar for sure. Heck yeah. Uh, he was a purebred, and I'm going to say this wrong, Raffiero de Alenteo. You sound so exotic. Thank you. And I, I, I sound like I don't speak the language. Um, it's a Portuguese dog breed. He kind of looked like a lab to me. That, that, that's, that's what, what I, I thought like. he was. Yeah. Um, so he was a guard dog. He lived on a farm in Portugal uh, with 
Lionel Costa and four cats. He was born May 11th, 1992. Costa was just eight years old. And uh, he ate what the humans ate. So the humans must be eating very healthy too, because if you're if you're feeding your dog human food and the dog lives to be thirty one, your 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 arteries are probably clear as right, a whistle. Right. Um, and uh, look, if I had a dog, if if my little Trudy lives to be thirty one, I will be ecstatic. I know. It's absolutely. I, and, and this dog looked pretty spry. I mean, there was some file footage of 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 him when he broke the Guinness Book of World Records uh, uh living to the age of 29 and he still he still look, he didn't look like a puppy but you know he looked like a healthy adult dog he didn't have the old man white face that they get no and he was you know he's bouncing around he, you know i mean it, he he didn't look like an old dog i i don't know that i could get another dog after that for 31 years i know jeez oh, well especially i mean yeah would be because I always feel like everyone's got that one dog, you know, like the dog, the, mm. the, the, the love of your life in dog form. And then the other dogs that come after are fine, but they can't They're qu- fine. They can't they can't quite measure up. Yep. And then imagine imagine having to compete with a dog that lived to be 274 years in dog years. Oh, so rest in peace, Bobby. Sweet boy. Good boy. Good boy. It's first thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. All right, and heading into the home stretch, of first thing here, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, and as always, this time of the morning, we uh, bring in the JR Morning Crew, Guy Lloyd and Jamie, and uh, you guys went uh, way north today on the uh, WJR College Tour. I don't know. Are we up north? This is. We were debating we this on the yesterday. way up. Yeah. At, at what point yeah. are you up north? We're in Big Rapids, which is kind of in the middle of the mitten, right? Right. Um, you know, you could, t- you would call this mid Michigan. I don't know if, we- but yeah, we're, we are farther North. We're in big rapids at fair state university and we are wearing bulldog crimson this morning. Wow. Okay. Wait so a minute. I- Did you guys have to cross the Zilwaukee? No, we went uh, up by, we went up 96 to 131. It is we're, North, we're North of Grand Rapids. Yeah. About an hour North of Grand Rapids. Yeah. So, uh, my, uh, my geography is a little bit off. Which is why I'm glad I run this stuff by it. I would still say, I would still say it's, I would say it's uh, north. Yeah, I, I do too. If, yeah. My thing is, if it's north of Midland, I feel like Midland and south is where people live, and then north of that is where people vacation. So that that's why, to me, no, no. If there's a remote possibility of a bear attack, then you're up north. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. I don't know. There's a lot of green around Big Rapids here, so I well, guess it depends if you're in North Big Rapids. Maybe we're in Macosta County, and I saw a bear in Macosta County 30 years ago. So you just so never know. They could four, be lurking about. Yeah. we do know yeah. there are a lot of bulldogs here. Yes, yes. And you know, the other day, um, I believe Nick Roddy posted this on the WJR Facebook page. Um, it looks like there's a there, there's an esports arena up there. You guys are going to be highlighting. Oh. Man. Tell them, Lloyd. It was amazing to see these guys who are sitting here playing these games with other people across the country, and just this whole setup is just uh, is just amazing. Well, in the picture, I love the picture because you guys all had very different looks on your face. <laughs> Jamie's smiling like she's having a good time. <laughs> Lloyd is locked in in the zone, and Guy kind of has this puzzle look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no puzzle at all. One of the things that we were doing, these they've got these amazing chairs. Herman oh. Miller donated the gaming Let, chairs. Yes. 
Let me tell you, my, I, I've been in, like, ultra-luxury Maybach automobiles from Mercedes-Benz where I wasn't nearly as comfortable as I was in that chair. <laughs> they were these ergonomic chairs because they certainly have to sit there and play games, and they felt amazing. Oh, my God. And it, they had these desks that could come up if they want to play standing or however they like to play. Wow. Was, yeah, I guess these are collegiate athletes, Renee. I was going to say. They, they got, have coaches. Yeah. They got better uh, furniture than we have here. I, I know. I'm kind of jealous, but it sounds therapeutic, really. It sounds well, like a day at the spa. Well, let me tell you, if you're going to be in there for you know an intense game for the better part of a few hours, you, you want to have a, a, a decent – it was – and I mean, it gave lumbar support. Yeah. Sat up straight. It, <laughs> we love the chairs. Oh, yeah, we. You know, if they're missing chairs, they know who took them. I was going to uh, say, they bring a truck, load them up. <laughs> I like how uh, you know it's this it's this miracle of modern technology. You know, you can play you you can play games with people uh, on the other side of the world as if they're sitting next to you. And our main takeaway is it's just great furniture in there. <laughs> Well, and imagine, so we, we asked them about this. Imagine the computing power in that room. First of all, it's shielded so that there can't be any interference, but their pipeline is apart from everything else on the university. So that they're in the middle of a, an international gaming tournament. All these things are happening in real time, mm-hmm. okay? So that's how robust the, the signal is. Um, they've got a huge data pipeline there. It's it's it is really very, cool. They, they got play by play announcers for this. They wow. have broadcasters who yes. will do play by play on these games, and then they have this arena seating where people wow. can come and watch the games happen. Wow, that's it. Oh, it's deep. It's, it's, it's real deep. It's been nice working with you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to quit and pursue a uh, career in video game play-by-play. What a time to be alive. <laughs> you, and, you and Will Ferrell back to school. <laughs> My God, he smashed that A button with authority. <laughs> um, that's it. <laughs> speaking of authority, uh, I want to r- run this theory by you guys real quick before we run out of time. Uh, obviously, uh, there's no new speaker yet. They're going to be doing a, a, a closed-door ballot today. Uh, to nominate someone at this point, isn't it just isn't Kevin McCarthy just the easiest path? I mean, no question. Uh, uh, yes, I mean he, he literally he only has to flip one vote. He he lost his speakership by one vote. Jim Jordan started with twenty and kept going backwards. There's nobody else that people see have a clear path. Literally, you you just flip one Democrat or one of the Matt Gates eight, and McCarthy's back in business. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they can do that or not. The, there's so much toxin in the water right now there in, on, on Capitol Hill. Whether or not you could flip one of those eight, and uh, I mean, and, and if then, you do, you still have motion to vacate, and that's still holding over his head. It only takes one guy. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, see, so I'm, there would have to be some rule changes. Yeah. Okay. See, I thought the I thought the one vote rule would have been um, wiped out, but I guess. But what, so I they guess have the, to they have to that. wipe it out. Right. They have to wipe yeah. it out. So the next speaker would technically be facing that as well, unless it's voted out. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we will sort through all of this. We'll hear more about this uh, esports arena. Jr. Morning coming to you live from Ferris State next. And you're back on first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. So why was Charlie LaDuff fired from the Detroit News?
The official explanation from the newspaper is an insulting tweet that Ladoff posted about Attorney General Dana Nessel over the weekend. Ladoff, who has been investigating A.G. Nessel for a number of wrongdoings, tells his side of the story on All Talk. This whole thing, uh, this desktop between journalist and investigative reporter Charlie Ladoff and Attorney General Dana Nessel, it started after Ladoff has been writing about a Democratic operative and an attorney and a Democratic Party treasurer uh, was involved in really an elaborate scheme to defraud an insurance company while intimidating a nursing home's executive director. This person's name is Tracy Korneck. And why now, it appears, her friend Dana Nessel dropped the investigation against Korneck. Well, it blew up over the weekend, uh, this back and forth between Dana and Charlie. And now Charlie is no longer, Kevin, with the Detroit News. I was watching this thing really closely. The investigation, very important, uh, very detailed uh, against uh, allegations about Dana Nessel. And then uh, Dana Nessel does something bizarre. She puts out a press release uh, saying that uh, the Detroit News of Charlie Duff misrepresented his facts. I've not seen a press release like that ever before. Uh, then Charlie's boss completely backs him, says Charlie's got the goods. He has the facts correct. And then, and then a tweet came out from Charlie, and uh, the next thing you know, one of his coworkers is calling for him to resign. And then there's a, a tweet out there that says he was fired, and Charlie says uh, he resigned or was fired. He joins us now. Uh, Charlie, thanks for being with us this morning. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, we're doing good. Uh, where, I, where, where do you want to start on this thing? Because, uh, I mean, to me, the most important thing is this investigation and that it continues. <laughs> it gets finished. Uh, but I, I, I feel bad for you losing your job. But you didn't you, you didn't you didn't you didn't really. Lose. I mean, you, you have the no BS news hour and you have all of your following. So I don't think it's as big a hit as some people might might think when they read a headline. No, uh, just not, it wasn't a job, dude. They were paying me peanuts to bring them subscribers and do real journalism, which I did. So no big deal. No BS NewsHour, top 200 in America, number one news program in this state. Come on by. And, uh, yeah, I stand by everything. You know, look, you guys are right. To me, this is the most important political story this year in Michigan, not some old retreads about a guy selling, you know, pot licenses. He was in office 2006. Apparently none of these crack reporters in town can figure out any any corruption going on while it's going on. So this isn't over. If you go to that column, I wouldn't subscribe, but, you know, I know a lot of people unsubscribe. But what I would do is read the last paragraph, because as Daniel Nessel let her friend off and meddled in a case that was active when she was told not to, well, there's a real big, sprawling, months-long investigation going on in Kent County into the same woman, into the same victim, and probably many other more. So why couldn't uh, Nestle's office find anything? Why don't we have investigations into what happened in the nursing homes? And I'll say this before we get to the dust-up. If you are hurting and you know somebody that's vulnerable and can't defend themselves, you guys know this about me, you can call me and I'll do everything in my power to be a brother in this community. That's what I'm about. So all the rest of it is funny. All right, let's let's talk about the tweet for a second. Was it a fireball offense in your opinion? Why did you do it? And do you feel like uh, people, once they saw that, they saw that as an opportunity and they, they picked up their phones and they demanded you be ousted because of your investigative skills? I couldn't really care less. Look, I stand by it. Like, if if you want, if if I was gonna uh, 
level of pejorative word at the attorney general. I'll do it. And I uh, reserve the right to do it. And I'm going to use worse words than that if this thing plays out like I think. Did I did I use? No, I could have said it's, you know, I thought I was being clever by half, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would have said it if that's what I wanted to say. But my columns run on Tuesday. Right. I don't know where you want me to go. It is, but fine. Yeah. Too clever by half. Whoops. Yeah. Well, that's the reason you got fired. I, I wonder if it's deeper than that. Or, I resigned. Or you resigned. Okay. <laughs> I know. You resigned. They say you, it was a amicable departure. We'll say that. Sure. Way. Dana Nessel, this is the real issue. You're alleging, and you have the documents to back it up, that she used her power to benefit a friend who was being investigated by Dana Nessel's office. This person was also treasurer of the Michigan Democratic Party. And she's accused of fraudulently billing an insurance company of a brain-damaged patient for $50,000. Um, the AG, What's that? 50000 Yeah, fifty. I'm sorry if it sounded like fifteen. It was $50,000. The AG's office cl- clearly saw the conflict of interest. They wanted this firewall between Nessel and her friend, but Nessel broke through it. Um, is, that's what I've you're alleging has happened. Yes, sir. Well, I'm not alleging. That's that's clearly in the documents. And when NASA wants to, like like um, Kevin was saying, I've never seen that, Kevin. You're going to put out a press release? You never wow. even contacted me, calling me a liar? And it's really interesting. Gary Miles, the publisher, yeah. writes a really good response. I mean, this thing was starched, cleaned, put over the drying coals, not a fact wrong in it. So if I could... I would like to apologize to Mr. Miles and to Nolan Finley because they are top-notch journalists. They are august. They're sober. They're very measured. And I caused them embarrassment. And for that, I am deeply sorry. But I no, I'm not. I don't take anything back. I care about our people. Yeah, I, I read that uh, from Gary Miles over the weekend, and he did uh, say that, and he he received a. Pretty intimidating legal public response from Nestle's office as well. And he supports your colony, so it is backed up by the evidence. Do you believe that Dana Nestle inappropriately, maybe illegally, influenced the investigation to the detriment of her own office? Yes. How so? When you put up an ethical firewall, there are, you know, standards of uh, uh, professional conduct. It says it right in, in the uh, inner office memo. Ms. Nessel is not to see this. She's not to, uh, uh, you're not to t- give her any information. She is not to come in possession of the documents. Well, there it is. Nessel, not smart enough. She actually forwards the message onto her number two. What about this? She's got a, Ms. Cornag has a judicial appointment pending in Kent County. And the links to the attachments are live. Ms. Cornag at this point is a suspect in a crime. Her friend, the attorney general, told not to possess them, possesses them. There's, I also, in this letter, this follow-up letter to Mr. Miles, this very public uh, you know, tweet she put out, um, she said Ms. Cornack did come into possession of these, like any other citizen, by freedom of information. Well, it's funny because I asked for those files, never received them, and I would like to know if she received them before the case was officially closed two weeks later. If that's the case, have you ever heard of an attorney general forwarding an active investigation to the subject? I'm sure John Gotti would have loved that. 
Charlie, reporters who stand up to wrongdoing seem to keep disappearing in this city. Uh, Those who survive seem to be silenced. Uh, Are public officials bullying journalists? Is management caving to public officials? And what does that do to journalism in Michigan, and how does that impact the public? Well, before I say this, let me make this patently clear. There's a lot of really good ones still left around. You know what I mean? I won't say their names because you don't want to be all – uh, stinked up with me this week, but a lot of good ones that I really respect. The problem is there's a lot of them that belong to the party. And that's Charlie Liduff talking to all talk about uh, why he was let go from the newspaper. We'll be right back. It's First Thing Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR.